This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, it's Casper. And Becky. From the DFWTO podcast. If you've been a longtime listener, you know how much mental health means to us. Mental health actually plays a role in many horror films, especially the final girl subgenre. Whether it's Nancy facing her nightmares and defeating Freddy, or Sydney taking out Ghostface to overcome the trauma of and avenge her mother's death. Not only are horror movies a huge comfort to Casper and I, so is putting our mental health first. And if you agree and you're searching for professional services, let BetterHelp be your guide. BetterHelp will connect you with a licensed therapist who can help you start your journey of self-awareness and discovery. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be flexible and convenient for any type of schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get yourself matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Just like the final girls that triumph over evil, triumph over your trauma with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DFWTO and save 10% off your first month when you sign up today. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-F-W-T-O. And remember, guys, don't, don't fuck, fuck with the original. original. Now let's get into the episode. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. I am your other host, Becky Grimlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. Now, we have another very special interview lined up today. Um, We're becoming an interview podcast as of right now. We're just taking a nice interview season going on. Um, Thanks to Horrorhound Film Fest. So yeah, get used to this, guys. If we keep doing more horror hounds, <laughs> yes. it's just going to be like two months of of interviews after horror hound, which as is it fine. should be. Yes. Love it. So this is round three, round three, round three. Of, of interviews. Um, and we are talking with the awesome Grayson Siebert, who did a short film called The Master. It is actually on YouTube, and it was three minutes long, and I needed it to be. 303 minutes long but um (laughs) she is here with us to talk about her short and some possible upcoming projects so thank you for joining us this evening grayson uh thank you for having me it's a pleasure (laughs) (laughs) yes grayson we absolutely loved the short um it was actually on a we've talked about this before when we friday of the film festival at horror hound I was taking notes and jotting down um, names uh, uh, in the trailers as we were watching them of ones that I definitely wanted to see that uh, and then later uh, possibly get interviews on and the master was on my list. So um, I'm so glad not only did we get to see it, we're actually getting to talk with you because it really was very interesting. And I think that different people could watch it from different perspectives and pick up something completely different than maybe we even picked up on it or maybe even what you intended it to to be so bravo it was it was really incredible thank you so much i'm super glad you enjoyed it um i really didn't intend it to take off the way it did it actually um, it started out actually as a student project for my film class um so that that's why it's so short. It was only on a two-minute time limit um, mm. for the actual film. 
Um, I, I wanted it to be long. If it, if, it, if it could have been longer, it would have been. Um, but that's why there was a time limit on there. But um, yeah, it, it, it really took off and to be accepted into a film festival was I'm just so grateful. Um, and um, for it to be so successful on YouTube, but now I'm being interviewed for it. And I'm just I'm so thankful to be here. So thank you again for having me. Oh, yeah, of course. And uh, I really want to give you a bravo on the monologue, too, because I'm such a whore for a good monologue. Um, and a really good example of like a monologue that really pulled me in is, have you ever watched, uh, Mike Flanagan's series, um, the religious one, Midnight Midnight Mass? Mass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you ever watch that? No, I have not. Um, I highly recommend it. It's very good, but there is a, there is an episode where this monologue, she just goes on and on about like life and everything. And it really pulled me in. And I love when a monologue does that. Like, I did not break any attention away from everything you were saying. And then the fact that you didn't say the master at the end. Like, the way that you implied it because of the title of it, but you didn't say it. I absolutely love that you didn't do that. And it kind of left it hanging like that. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I've actually, I've gotten a lot of compliments on that ending. So I'm really glad it worked out because in my head, I was like, that's so cool. And I'm really glad that it played out that way in real life. So yeah, that's super cool. (laughs) So Grayson, we've gotten in the habit of asking um, people that we interview, uh, obviously, because this is a horror podcast, is there a uh, scary movie that is just your favorite, you watch all the time? It's a comfort for you. Is there a franchise you like or maybe a certain show that you're into? Um, yeah, I'd say the first thing that comes to my head is definitely um, the Insidious franchise. Yes. Um, solid. Yeah. yeah <laughs> for sure. Very solid. For sure. Um, I just, I'm a big lover of like psychological horror, um, as you can see from my film. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I just, I love that kind of horror that really just gets in your head, and I love the kind of sort of, like, more, like, artsy type of horror, mm-hmm. uh, and I really think that Insidious implements that quite brilliantly in their franchise. I just think it's it's very, like, um like ghostly, uh, very haunting, and um, I just think they execute that very, very well in their franchise, um, and it's, it's very, um, it's very artsy and sort of, like, campy, and I just love the combination of uh, what they bring to their films. Oh, I couldn't agree more, especially that first film. I, mm. I know to this day, I watch that first film. Um, it, it still terrifies me. I, I mean, it's still just, it just, it really still not only like creeps me out, it scares me. It, uh, and not only that, I had a connection with the movie because I've, I have lucid dreamed since I was a kid and I used to really heavy lucy dream lucid dream as a child no it's lucy it is lucy dreaming totally lucy um charlie from charlie uh charlie brown i um i actually used to lucid dream where i would enter into dreams as a kid so the concept of the first insidious i mean just creeped me out to the bone because i thought to myself like if this was real I would have been Dalton. Like this would have been, <laughs> that would like, if this was, if there was in any way, shape or form that that would have been real, I would have been. And that's not that fucking kid. terrifying that's, at that's all. Horrifying. Um, and you're right, right. The, the whole house became part of the story and the way the, like whoever their director of photography was, was just brilliant because 
different shots in that in that first one are it's almost like the house is a character Mm -hmm. in the film james james wan knows what the fuck he's doing yeah when he when he directs films james wan is a king he's he really is and and, and like i always i always um love films especially like in the horror genre uh when they when they really pay attention to detail like in the cinematography and especially like Mm -hmm. in the aesthetic Mm -hmm. uh, that's really important to me uh like like when a film is is just kind of just like you know kind of just like sitting there and kind of like stagnant with really nothing you know like with no like quality to it you know with no like artistic eye it's kind of just like bland for me you know but um insidious does a super like all of their films i think do a super good job in like maintaining that eye you know i mean like there's 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 substance you know there's there's something that really draws you to it you know and, and and it really has that eerie sort of you know like like malevolent you know not to be you know like a play on work but insidious quality to it you know, oh it really it, it totally draws you in and yeah i really like what you said about the house becoming the character you know and i love i love the character elise i think she's oh really yeah so amen she's so brilliant yeah well, yeah. and I mean, I think it threw, I think that was done on purpose to throw people off to make people think that, because Insidious was very much advertised to look like just an another haunted house movie. Mm-hmm. Like, here's another yeah, ghost. Yeah, yeah. And it, a ha- was, it was marketed so well. Yeah, yeah. very much marketed that way. And then even shot that way in the beginning, when that's yeah. in your mind that you think that that's what's going on, you think it's the house. And then, of course, yeah. there's the famous line, you know, it's it's not the house. <laughs> it's your son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, the, the, the whole, uh, the whole uh, um, uh, exposition scene where Elise yes. is explaining further. Yes. Mm, that whole concept. And then, of course, the twist ending when you realize that, that, you know, it's passed down by his father, the ability. Exactly. Are you excited uh, about the fifth one? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I am so ready I am so thrilled. I can't wait because I think it takes place like 10 years after. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Wilson is actually directing it. It's his directorial debut. I know that. Really? Yeah. And he's yeah, in it too. Mm-hmm. Oh that's, my God. That's, that's going to be awesome. And I'm pretty wow. sure James Wan is producing it. It's going to be weird seeing those kids all grown up now. And he's playing himself yeah, too. Like it's the actually kid that played Dalton, Dalton is yeah. coming back and they're all grown up now. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be. I'm so excited. Oh, what, uh, what is it coming out? You guys know? I September. I actually okay. just recently looked something up, so that's, that's why I knew that's gonna be here <laughs> in a blink. Yeah. Or actually, you know what? I could have lied. I think the Nun Two might be September. Oh yeah, I want to see that. I, I I saw the first one. Um, the first one. Uh, I, I I I didn't really know what to expect with that movie, but um, I think it was actually pretty good. When you were talking um, about okay. aesthetic, I feel like the nun en- encompasses aesthetic wonderfully. Like people complained about how that movie wasn't scary, and I'm like, it had its moments. It had its very it, terrifying it moments. moments. Scared me. <laughs> yeah, like the climax at the end. I thought that was that was pretty um, all encompassing. Like you know, with terrifying. Mm-hmm. I thought so. I mean, if you want to talk about like a supernatural sense, that was that was pretty. Um, that was pretty horrifying, you know, and and I, I think the the score for that movie was actually good too. Oh yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, that was that was pretty thrilling. But yeah, I mean that, that was that's another really good example of 
of uh, aesthetically pleasing. And also, um, another another series I really like is uh, The Conjuring. Mm, yes, go That's on, preach, book. go on. <laughs> go on. <laughs> so it sounds like James Wan is an inspiration to you as a filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, that, that's definitely um, a theme that seems to be going on here. Um, I don't know. I just, I really, I really just, I love his uh, his aesthetic, um, and I really, I just really, I really love uh, the uh, cinematic quality that he brings to his films. Um, and I, I think it's something that kind of just like is implemented in the back of my mind. Um, <laughs> Uh, when I was making my film, I definitely want, I was definitely focusing on like the cinematic quality of my film, like especially like like the cinematography. I wanted it to be eye catching, and I really wanted well the main focus was definitely my poetry, um, and then I wanted that to correlate with my visuals so that so that you know it really just flowed together, and um, I I definitely think I accomplished that, um, mm -hmm. and I'm glad that that people seem to be you know, enjoying it. So that, that's super good to hear. By the way, like, FYI, it comes out in July. Okay. So Insidious, the, non, I think the, Insidious, the, Red, Insidious the Red Door comes out in July. Oh, okay. And okay, also, so um, if you didn't know, and I sent you a text about this, they just recently talked about making a series, a Conjuring series, where they do different Ed and Lorraine cases each episode. I think they were, yeah, I think they were talking about trying to do it for next year or the year after because they're still wanting to do The Conjuring 4 and then they have The Nun 2. And it would be HBO Max. And it's HBO Max, but they are talking about it. And I was like, I am here for that. Yeah, that would be, that'd be awesome. I, uh, did you guys see the third Conjuring? Because I haven't seen mm -hmm. it yet. I've only seen the first two. We actually watched it together. Yeah, we saw it in the theater, <laughs> I believe. Really? Yeah. Was it good? It was really good. It was actually, I really didn't even know what to expect from it because I only knew that story. Mm -hmm. And obviously there, there's, there's definitely a, fi a fictional take on it. There's other part, but I thought it was really well done. It's on Tubi. Um, if you're interested in, in watching it's it. It's on Tubi? Yeah, it's oh, on Tubi. Tubi is sure. really showing up. Yeah. Damn. So if you wanted to watch it for free, if you did, <laughs> it is, it is streaming on Tubi right now. Okay, that's good to know. I'll definitely check that out. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, uh, I just realized I've I had never asked this of any of the other people we talked to that had films at Horror Hound. What was the process with actually getting the master chosen at the film festival? Did you reach out to them? Did they reach out to you? How did that How did that come about? Uh, I submitted my film on a film freeway. To okay. Them. Uh, I just um, actually uh, a filmmaker friend I have. He was the one who suggested that I that I submit on that website, uh, and that's how um, I started submitting my film to. I submitted I think to like to nine or ten festivals, and Horrorhound was the first one who's who's um, selected my film. So that's how I found mm -hmm. them just by searching randomly. So wow. um, I reached out to them. That's very cool. Okay, Where are yeah. you from originally? Where are you from originally? Uh, I'm originally from New York City, Manhattan area. Nice. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I've lived, uh, I li I've lived all over the states. So I think in seven or eight states. Um, I've also lived abroad. I've lived in China. Um, I was an elementary English teacher there for a while after high school. Um, so I've, I've been all around. <laughs> uh, oh, wow, I love, that's awesome. I love traveling. Yeah. Um, 
I think traveling really gives people, I, I mean, I've, I've, Tra I traveled a lot more as a kid, like uh, out of the country and kind of now sort of just kind of, uh, we live in Ohio, we're from Ohio and I uh, I never really traveled. People always say Ohio is so boring and I'm like, it's actually not. And it's I, really not. I'm kind of now on this journey of sort of traveling around my home state more, but I think traveling just in general, whether, whether you do it locally or get to travel outside of the country or just even within the country, just to different states, I think it really broadens how you view the world and how you view people. Because I think if you just kind of stay in your own bubble, it really stagnates you. Mm -hmm. um, I think that not only speaks to just to people in general, just to your personality, or I think also creatively, I think that it really, um, and if you can attest to this as someone that does make films, that does have a creative outlet, um, that traveling actually does help that. Yeah, it, it totally does. I mean, like it opens, it opens my mind up to, you know, to things culturally, educationally, definitely artistically. I mean, um, you know, I mean, I, I got to travel to Europe in 2018 and seeing all the, you know, the ancient art and, you know, architecture or, or artistic quality over there. Um, you know, all the, you know, the, the paintings, the sculpture, I mean, that was, that was definitely an amazing experience for me as an artist, you know, um, as a filmmaker. And I'm also, I also delve into different um, artistic um, outlets as well. Like I'm, I'm an artist, a traditional artist. I paint, um, I sing, I have a, my main, my main background is actually in theater. Um, I come from a theatrical uh, background in like musicals and straight plays Okay. Um, yeah, by the way, you have a beautiful voice. I saw your Instagram post where you did a song at I don't remember what it was, but you sang for something and I you have a very nice voice. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I was like, she sings? <laughs> Multi talented. <laughs> yes, yes, I do sing. Um but yeah, I plan to um, I plan to at the end of the year to uh, move back to New York City to to pursue the arts professionally. Um, I'd like to do I like to do theater and film professionally. Um, I, I hope to one day work on Broadway. That would be definitely amazing, and also do film. Um, in, indie film would be awesome. Uh, uh, since you know, um, start. I mean, I mean, like like I said, I, I never knew that this film would take off like it did. Um, so I mean, getting getting into film. I, I honestly I don't know much about the film industry, um, but I'm definitely willing to learn. And I think that you know this would be a great opportunity to do so. You know, like through this outlet. You know, so I, I think it's super cool. Like you know, I like the like being at Horror Hound was like such a great opportunity, and like being able to meet so many filmmakers and kind of like get a feel for it. Like it's definitely like an avenue I would love to pursue. You know. Oh yeah. Uh I have actually given it a lot of thought myself, hopefully one day, because <laughs> I, I have no film background, didn't go to film school or anything like that. I just really, 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 I'm, I'm a total film nerd. I am such a cinephile. I, I watch yeah. movies from a perspective of someone. And I've even been told that, like, you watch from the perspective of someone that, we both that do. should, yeah, that knows filmmaking almost as if you are in the business or at least went to school for it and neither one of us did it's just a really big love for the the art and the craft of of movie making and not necessarily horror films it just 
happens to be mm -hmm. one of our favorite genres. Me um, too. Me too. Yeah. It's like how a lot of people talk about growing up and stuff, how books were their escape. Movies were mine. Like, that was where I could escape. Well, both for me, for sure. Mm -hmm. I still like to read. I, I think that's why even with movies now, how you were, Grace, and how you were talking about how if a story is moving along and isn't stagnant and keeps you going mm -hmm. and keeps you enthralled and keeps you into it. I, mm -hmm. I come from the same perspective with books when I read. Um, if, a, if a book isn't keeping me every, like every page, every chapter, if you're not roping me into the story, then I like, I'm done. I, I'll get through. I, I usually won't even give a book the first you got like the first four pages for me and then that's it like i'm fucking right. felt <laughs> i'm like yeah. at the first 10 15 minutes of a movie too i'm i'm really like you you got to get me in quick i i have adhd i can't be sitting around mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. you, you got to get yeah, me yeah. in and and uh, that was something i definitely was um was nervous about like writing because i'm also a, a poet and I also I, I write short stories and like that and like that's the number one thing um, I, I look out for and like and my writing is like you know I have like one or two lines to like hook the reader you know yes mm -hmm. um, you know and and like and like I don't and and it's it's so hard like thinking oh am I gonna grasp them am I not gonna grasp them so kind of like converting that into the film world was kind of scary because I was like okay, is this going to be something that, you know, people are going to be like, oh, I'm intrigued, or is this going to be something that, you know, people are going to take, you know, 10 seconds of and be like, okay, yeah, that's, that's not interesting. So that was, that was definitely something that was kind of nerve wracking going into, you know, so I mean, for any future films that I'm going to, you know, pursue, um, that's definitely something that I think, you know, I'm going to be sharpening up my skill on definitely as a writer, you know, for screenplay. It was it was so much fun though writing an actual screenplay. That was that was a lot of fun. Like actually like writing a full on script. I've never done that before. I kind of just sat down one night and did it in a period of like three hours. So <laughs> no idea awesome. what I was doing. I followed a template online and I was like, let's see how this goes. <laughs> so. Got it. I'm telling you, for all the ugly it can have at times, the internet is is a beautiful beautiful thing. To be honest. I think, you know, especially for, for independent, you know, you were talking about indie film, independent filmmakers. That's something that both of us, um, a lot of earlier interviews we've done with the podcast have been indie filmmakers. We have such a respect for that, where you're really taking hold of the filmmaking process on your own. You know, um, you're, you're doing it for an audience, but you are keeping a, the majority of the creative control of the film for yourself. Right, right. Which really shows, yeah. too, because it's like they're doing it for their passion. They're not doing it for the money. And it shows in the film. Like, there's so yeah. many horror yeah. films out there where you're like, well, this was purely made for money. Yes. And not, yeah. nothing else. Yeah. And then you have the other horror films where, like, again, going back to someone like James Wan, where you can see the passion and the love pouring out into a film where you're like, this person yeah. actually loves what they're doing and they're not just doing it for yes. money. And you can tell James Wan is a horror fan. I think yeah. that really speaks to <laughs> yeah. James yeah. Wan makes horror movies for horror fans. Much, we like should... Jordan, much like Jordan Peele, like these are directors that are, that are mm -hmm. die. You can tell they are die hard horror fans and that, they know how to make movies for horror fans because mm -hmm. that's what they want. They've probably been watching horror movies their entire life going, 
well, this isn't for me. This isn't for me. This isn't for, like, I have no connection to this. Let me, I'm going to make something that I know will reach horror fans because I am a horror fan. Yeah, exactly. And, like, after after being at Horror Hound, I mean, like, I had never um, really, like, um, delved into, like, indie film um, uh, films that much beforehand. I mean, I, I had seen a few of, like, of, like, different genres beforehand, but, like, after, like, actually, like, being involved, like, in indie filmmaking myself and then, like, being surrounded by so many indie filmmakers, like, I have so much respect. I mean, not that I hadn't had respect for, like, any artist beforehand you know, any, any type of artist beforehand, but I mean, I have so much more respect and love for them, you know, for, for, for indie filmmakers, because I mean, they have so much passion for the craft and that's so cool to see. Cause I mean, I feel like, especially like in like, you know, in like the bigger industry, like there are just so many money grabbers, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and that to me is just so sad. Cause I, I mean, like, you know, like if for any, any type of artist or someone who labels themselves as artist who's doing it, not for the passion, but just for, the glory or just for you know the 15 minutes of fame or just for the cash i mean to me that's just like what are you doing man you know it's like you know like like where's where's the love for you know the actual you know the oomph you know what i'm saying Giants yeah. play 2019 <laughs> and we obviously right and we obviously you know like money is important you want to make it money, it, 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 but true. it's a it's difference, true. you know, because we don't, you know, because we'll, I'm sure we'll get people that are going to listen to this like, oh, you know, but you guys, everybody wants to make money. I mean, duh. Like, <laughs> you got, we all have bills to pay. <laughs> duh, of course you want to make money. But it speaks yeah. to it. I guarantee really, if you're you will making make more movie, money. If you're making the movie for people that yes. want to see it. Exactly. You will make more yeah. money with the passion yeah. than you will just a thousand times throwing over. in Child's Play 2019, which was a piece of shit. And then here's the thing. People go see it. Yeah, you make the money up front. But what happens when people start telling other people it sucks? And yeah. then you don't you'll make your you'll make your money back that you made on the film, but you'll then break that's even it. and then you'll yeah. break even. Have fun with that. And then Megan comes out, and that movie was a thousand times better. <laughs> so much better. While James oh, Wan was like, Oh, I see your child's play, and I'm gonna yeah. one up you. <laughs> it's good. You know what? Megan is fun. It's a fun it's movie to watch. I took my my 10-year-old niece is starting to get into horror films. And it was a oh. really, really, really good movie to take a kid to go see mm-hmm. because um, now there is an unrated version that's out right now, but that I haven't seen yet because I saw it in the theaters with my niece. But um, it was a real I I'll say this a million times over. If you're getting your kids or your niece and nephews into horror and they're like preteen age, this was a perfect movie to do it because it was really funny it was was really campy if you're into campy it was super campy it was really 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 funny like child the original child's play i'm old enough to remember how much that movie absolutely terrified (laughs) me and left this like lasting impression on killer dolls absolutely not like a doll that can come alive and kill you no megan is basically the same premise but it's really, really, really funny. Like, I was not expecting it to be that funny. And my niece was actually laughing at a lot of it, too. So it was um, it was super campy. I mean, just just the whole way through. And I, I really, really think if, if you're trying to introduce kids into horror, this is a good, a good first-time movie, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I definitely... I mean, I saw that it had, like, generally, like, good reviews... So I, it's definitely something I want to um, I want to check out. Very campy. Sure. 
super campy. And every time I'm like, so funny. I mean, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Getting back to, um, your film real quick. It now has, uh, 1300 views on YouTube. I mean, that's, that's crazy. You know, just, I'm so, I'm so proud of that. I'm so excited about that. Um, I, I hope that it continues to grow. Um, uh, I, I honestly like, like when I first posted it, I was like, yeah, this will get maybe like, you know, a couple hundred views, you know, and now I'm just like, whoa, you know, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's super exciting. Now you said that this, this was inspired by your poetry. And I know in the beginning I said the one thing about this is that I think people can watch it from all different i think people could watch this and have a different perspective than everybody else what was the inspiration for the master yeah the inspiration um i like to start by saying um the master she kind of comes from kind of like you know like the monster within us or the monster that can exist within our own psyche like I kind of, uh, the poem itself, um, it, I, I took out a few verses, um, uh, or, or, or there are a few verses that are not uh, in the actual film. The poem is a bit longer, um, but basically the overall poem is kind of like describing the, well, I'm, well okay, maybe I'll, I'm going to restart. Um, <laughs> You're good, take your time. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes my thoughts kind of get jarbled because it's kind of like, it comes from a lot of like different perspectives, but um um yeah the master she kind of comes from like my own darkness um i've kind of like created i've kind of like split myself off into like different like personages if that sort of makes sense like um she kind of stems from um certain trauma that i've gone through in my life and i sort of like created her as my own um dark side of me and um she's desperate to have control and um dominion over you know what she couldn't control in the trauma that you know we kind of faced together that i faced you know and um we, and of course you know the novelty you know i mean you know in the in the film you know she's desperate to control this this um you know this this child in this ritual and um and she calls it, you know, this ball, she wants to, you know, control something, you know, kind of like love something that, you know, she feels connected to and, you know, through this ritual and through this kind of like dark art. Now that that's all novelty, of course. Um, you know, that that's not, you know, obviously a real fantasy or anything that I have, obviously. Um, right. But, um, Some subtext is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know her she herself she kind of comes from a darker part of me you know she's she's you know like narcissism and tragedy and all of these you know negative connotations of my own self and and eventually you know in in the in the um in the full length feature i want to eventually write and produce one day there is a happy ending uh, or, oh. or more more so i want to say a more solemn happy ending you know, where she, she's eventually laid to rest and eventually, you know, the trauma is healed and, you know, the negative connotations and the negativity within me is eventually released, you know, so, so that's kind of where the inspiration of her comes from, 
you know, she's that sort of dark part of me. And um, the uh, the poem is about her gaining that control and sort of like her dark philosophy of this dark art that she is so desperate to consume. Okay, that's beautiful. I, I, I love that. that. I absolutely loved that. Same. I um, you know, watching it and now hearing all of that, it I it kind of like it changes my perspective a little bit because when I was <clears throat> watching it, for me. Um, now I did understand the dark arts elements of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I'm a witch. I've been a practicing for on and off for many, 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 many years. So there were definitely so many different elements of it that I picked up on immediately, but I was, I genuinely was watching it from the perspective of like a real, almost kind of like a fucked up love story in that's, a way. That's exactly how I like, saw it. Yeah. yeah, that completely makes sense. That she was right. doing this to love somebody, like yep. as dark and as Absolutely. fucked up as the whole entire ritual was, and mm -hmm. the fact that there had to be a, a human sacrifice and all this stuff. That as as horrible from the outside as people could see the whole ritual within itself, that really the big picture of it was that this was being done to love someone that's this being done exactly for the love of someone like it. it was just a really oh. dark twisted love story right yeah, yeah i don't know and like, like that perspective that totally makes sense because from from the trauma that that you know that she's perceived to have experienced you know it because obviously you know she's a really screwed up individual <laughs> right <laughs> you know she um she lacks any any knowledge of, of you know a pure sort of love mm -hmm. so this yes is, this is her showing love or experiencing love in in the only way that she knows how to you know through through this seriously dark twisted connotation you know if that makes sense perfect sense perfect sense mm -hmm. I, you know and i think people that come from a place of of trauma i, I feel like trauma is kind of a running theme throughout horror mm -hmm. um Right, right. I, I really do, and I I think that uh, when you and and I don't I don't want to just say women because Ari Aster wrote Midsummer, and that came from a horrible, horrible traumatic relationship that he went through. So we I literally anybody, were like, "Who hurt you?" Yeah, sir. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, you, oh boy. Um, and and both Casper and I have dealt with deep traumas. I've dealt with some very deep traumas that um, I think that everybody within all of us as really getting, getting really in the therapy session here that we use as, and, and I now hearing uh, the master, how she came out and, you know, this character that I think we all deep inside have these uh, coping mechanisms. And I think that, but I think with the flip of that, we do have that little, you know, it's kind of like the angel and demon. Like we do have that little like, hmm, inside of us. Like, don't, don't get it twisted. If I could take the person that caused me all the trauma and put them inside of a bear and light them on fire, you know, I mean. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't watch that movie thinking about him, but you know, like, that's whatever. We, we all have those. <laughs> We all have those inner, like, we all have that within us. We all do. And honestly, I think that that can be healing. 
you know, like you said, obviously yeah. subtext is a thing. Nobody's really going to do these. Nobody's really going to sacrifice. I don't recommend it. 10 out of 10, do not sacrifice. You will get caught. Um, <laughs> but I think deep within us, I think all of us could see a little bit of her in all of us if we've had some really deep traumas, especially if you take it from that perspective. Like, let's cut the whole love story out of it. Like, she's just fed up with being fucked over and like, oh, I'm about to show you bitches. Like, she's <laughs> like this, this, these dark arts and this dark part of her is actually bringing her strength. Like, she's finding strength through this from all of the trauma that she's been through. Like, she's just so tired of it. She's like, Oh, you're about to see it now. Like I'm, I'm about to be the strongest I've ever been. I'm, I'm going to, you know, like this, this is going to give me that strength. I wish I always had. And like, look out, like everybody that ever wronged me, the people that did cause me to, that wanted me to break and it didn't happen. I got stronger yeah. Well, I'm the kind of person too. Like, I really resonate with what you said about the control thing. Because not to not to go too <laughs> much into detail, but I was raised in a home where I had no control over anything at all. Um. So what I would do was when I was a teenager and I could drive, I would um basically just drive for hours because I could I had control like I had control of the vehicle I had control of where I was going so I felt like I had control over something because I would do that so you saying like she you know was actually doing something to have control like 100% resonate with that because like even in my life now that I have more control over things obviously at this point in my life but I know exactly what that feels like to have no control and then just to have something, anything that you can have control over. So I very much resonate with that with her. And I can't wait to watch it again with this perspective now because I'm like a whole different, whole different look into it. Right. And, 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 and like there's a verse I left out um, uh, in, in the uh, it's in the actual the whole poem. Um, and this this kind of like adds to that control aspect. It's um. In the inmost of this chaos and in the anguish of your pain, I find my own fervid salvation that gives me purpose once again. You know, she's, um, she really, she really is desperate to find that sort of like, you know, fervid, you know, like just really intense, um, purpose. And, you know, and of course, you know, like, you know, it's, it's wrong what she's doing in this context, you know, but she's, she's really, desperate to find you know some sort of purpose some sort of belonging sense of belonging that she doesn't feel that she's ever had you know a sense of affection a sense of admiration a sense of you know validation you know i'm sure that feels like me i am really i'm really gonna look at this (laughs) now mine was different i um my control came from uh extremely abusive situations and um that like now thinking about that and like watching this again is really going to put that in a different perspective for me. I'm probably going to cry. The freedom, the freedom (laughs) of the release of Mm -hmm. being saved from that situation and getting out of it and kind of rising from the ashes into the person that I am now is, uh, 
yeah, I mean, obviously there's still some work to go, <laughs> Same. but it's, right. it's that ultimate, like taking that first leap out of it, like getting, releasing yourself from that control, essentially the first time is such a powerful feeling. Literally the end of Midsummer. Like the the end of Midsummer when we both saw it and we both cried. And that's why I have Midsummer tattooed on my right hand because that movie meant so wow. much to me. Right. Right. No, yeah. I, I mean, like, a, a thing I love about uh, the horror genre is that I think um, it can be so uh, cathartic because, you know, yes. you're released, you can release so many different emotions and feelings that you can't in other genres. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, like, you can't release, you know, like, fear and intense, you know, em- like, like those, t- those type of intense uh, emotions, like, you know, like in a comedy or, you know, e- even in, like, a drama. Like, like in drama, you know, you, you can release some, some pretty intense cathartic emotions, but, like, not in the same way as horror. Well, you know, and typically it- because dra- because really dramatic films always end and this is just being the horror fan that I am, you can mm-hmm. you can get that same feeling, like that that intensity in in, yeah. in drama from horror, but the but this the difference is that drama typically always ends on a happy ending. Usually. Horror doesn't. <laughs> Not all the time. I'm actually I'm actually a fan of the ones where it doesn't end on a happy ending. Same. Yeah, right. <laughs> Where there's sort of that like twist or like the ending that people, a lot of times as horror fans, we don't want it to be this happily ever after Disney princess ending. We don't, we don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and like, and I like, I usually like, and like Insidious is a great example of this. Like usually like, like the ending, like it leans towards something that's kind of like, you know, a happy you know, like, you know, like, you know, like the exorcism or the, or like whatever it was, like went well and, you know, at least they stay again, you know, whatever. But then there's a twist, like, yes. oh, there's a new woman, it's happening, you know, and then, and then, you know, it cuts to the, you know, the, uh, the, the violin, you know. And, oh, I love it. I love that so much, you know. <laughs> Insidious was such a brilliant, you're right. That one was, that, you're, Spot on. That that's a perfect example of that. Where that one, you really thought, "Oh, Dalton's back. The family's good. Everybody's all happy. Yay!" And then you see Elise sitting there, dead, and everybody's like, <laughs> "The hell just happened!" And yeah, that was such a good twist. And the wife picks up the camera, and then you hear, and she turns yeah. around, and she's got that, <gasps> like she's she take, and she's got that horrified look on her face, and you're like, "What in the hell just happened? Like I thought everything was okay." Krampus. 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 Krampus did the same thing. Krampus got me fucked up. It really <laughs> Krampus really screwed me up too. Because you thought the family, everybody's like, oh, it's so everybody's hot cocoa and it's Christmas. Everybody happy. And then you're like, oh no. Oh, oh boy. Oh crap. <laughs> you're stuck in a snow globe for the rest of your life. Oh, and I used to love snow globes. That movie ruined snow globes for me. I'm like, there's a little family trapped in there forever. That's another one I'm gonna have to see now because that that has a twist one. Good Christmas one. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with Mike Flanagan's work? The name sounds familiar. I I might be familiar with the work. I I I may not know the name. So he did the shows uh, Haunting of Hill House. He did the Haunting Haunting of Bly Bly Manor. Manor. He did Midnight Mass. He also did another one. What is it called? It's just came out. Midnight something club club. Uh, But his features he. 
did uh he directed oculus i think that was one of the first mm -hmm. ones ouija okay, ouija I've origin of evil but the um, reason i'm bringing him up is because of how much you love psychological mike flanagan is such a great paranormal psychological crossover director Gerald's Sweet. game really screwed me yeah. up. Boy, you want to talk about psychological. That, Jeez, that movie that took a lot of childhood trauma, uh, marriage abuse. It, it just, with with this horror twist element, That that's a Mike Flanagan one that had a lot of twists and turns that I was not expecting. It's 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 deeply psychological. I, I cried at the end. It was not expecting it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting it. I, I just, I, I was, you know, you, you go into the movie. It's also one of those where the advertising was perfect, just mm -hmm. like Insidious. You, you think it's going to be one thing. You go into it. Oh, this marriage is screwed up, whatever, whatever. And then it, it just goes a complete, I mean, like 15, 20 minutes in, it goes a completely different way. And you're like, oh, this is not what I thought this movie was. No. And, but I mean, like in the best way possible, because unfortunately that can happen. And you're like, ew, this movie isn't what I thought it was. The turning. And the turning. <laughs> and it just be, it just ends up being this like horrible mess that's not going anywhere. And you're like, oh, I just sat through two hours of that. It doesn't Gerald's have an game, ending. Gerald's game was totally different. It, it keeps you enthralled through the whole movie it's so many twists and turns and the the ending is really cathartic and and beautiful and twisted all in the same the acting is absolutely brilliant and um but it's really melancholy it's such a melancholy movie but i mean in, in just the best way possible I, I i would both of us would highly recommend if you're deep into psychological mm -hmm. uh mike flanagan mike flanagan really is definitely his, really all yeah. of his works just honestly ari aster too on. like we were talking about midsummer um i don't know have you seen hereditary yes i have monologues Mon yep, you monologues. Talk monologues the entire dinner dinner table scene oh, like it is that fucking oh, face on your face hereditary <laughs> that was um that was quite a ride. Oh, oh yeah. Was, you want to talk about one? You want to talk about one that shifts in 15 minutes? Advertised <laughs> as one thing. Well, and then I, I think I sent you that interview Tony Collette did about that whole scene where, you know, you're, this is a woman that has been through years of psychological trauma from her mother. And mm -hmm. now she's just lost her daughter. And... And she's trying to hold this family together, but it's like, how do you even know how to be a mother when this is the example of a mother you had that traumatized you and lied to you your whole life? And I, there was just so much coming out in that scene. Like, we know she just lost her daughter and obviously all the trauma that's going on, but like, there is years of stuff coming out of that woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, totally. That is just like, totally. oh my like, God. It's time for word vomit. Here's everything I've been through. That was one of those movies where I really thought was going to be the crossover and get a lot more commercial attention because I think that monologue alone should have gotten that woman an Oscar nomination. I, just, yeah. just me. I, I I really thought that was going to be one of those movies that was going to do that crossover. But you know what? I, I'm kind of one of these horror fans where I'm sort of like, you know, if it... Horror has always sort of been that, like, weirdo cousin to the movie industry <laughs> that everybody loves but like the rest of the family it's like the black sheep yep you know what i mean it is you know yeah like like horror 
horror never seems to get like like the recognition that it really really rightfully deserves you know what i mean it seems like, like it's starting to like it's starting to creep a little bit yeah. just a little bit but there's just still such a long way to go for it. Like, really, Shape of Water wins the Oscar for Best Film. Shape of Water. That's the horror movie we're going with? I tried. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I tried really hard. Like, we could have Hereditary. Hereditary was brilliant, but we're going to go with a woman who was in love with a fish. That is what we're doing. And I love Guillermo del Toro. I tried really, (laughs) really, really hard with Shape of Water. I tried so hard. Because artistically, it was beautiful. Oh, yeah. But the story was... It was gorgeous. It was it was a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. It, it's like I Avatar. mean, that's all like, it's going for. It's oh my god! Pretty. Oh yeah, beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. But like the oh boy, I I didn't understand best picture. I don't know. A lot of those people, I don't know. You can, that that's gonna go down a rabbit hole because I I'm a firm believer that they pay off these people at the I academy. Swear god. I I think that there's more that goes into that than. <sighs> anyway, um, <laughs> I think I think that too. That's so. I think maybe there's so many different reasons. I think some horror fans like we want horror to be mainstream, but then again, we don't. Like we really don't want it to be mainstream. We don't want everybody to like it. We don't want it to be everybody. We're like this is ours thing. You know what I mean? Like not to gatekeep, but like, I, you know, because I think that you don't want to lose. I I think horror is one of those genres that just is so real. It's allowed to be so real and just strip everything away and just do it. You know, whether it's really gory or deeply in your head or just whatever, it's just allowed to go there. Exactly. Yeah. If it was, if it was going to be, you know, more mainstream, I think that would kind of like, you know, like, like dim the shine of it a little bit. You know what I mean? It it wouldn't, it wouldn't be allowed to be so free form. If that makes sense. Very true. If it became super mainstream, you know, I I feel like, I feel like there would be more limitations, you know, because a a more, a more general audience would, would, it it just, it'd be like, Oh, you can't, you can't do that. Or, Oh, I'm offended by that. Or, Oh, I'm a, you know, or where it's, you know, where it is right now is just, there's so much that's allowed to be done. There's so much, you know, more fun you could do with it. It's just, yeah. So I, I kind of agree with that. Or I, I do agree with that. There's more. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause you don't want like Susan down the street in the suburb have a projector on and she's watching like, what is that one movie called? The silence of, uh, what is the deer movie? The si- sacred, sacred deer. Killing of a sacred, of a sacred deer. deer. I'm like, hold on. Get, I'm getting Killing there. of a sacred deer, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we, you know, it's kind of one of those things, again, where you said you don't want to gatekeep, but at the same time, I don't want a suburban mom, Karen, going out and being like, you can't and have not this every- stuff on the screen. And not everything is for everybody. <laughs> exactly. Not everything yeah. is for everybody. You don't, you know, no, if, you, no. if you can appeal to a certain number of people, that's that's great. You don't have to appeal to everybody well yeah and that's the thing and that's the thing exactly like not everything is for everybody and i think i mean this is a whole other conversation but i think right now culturally you know people are really sensitive and everyone's offended by every uh, by everything 
you know, so I, I think, you know, bringing the horror genre, you know, really mainstream, that would just cause a huge ruckus that doesn't really need to be there right now. I think you that's know, the same. Mm-hmm. That's I, I could not agree with you more, I think, because I'm I I'm a big stand-up comedy fan and stand-up comedy is very different than like comedic films because you still have a lot of those restrictions. But I, yeah. I feel like stand-up comedy and horror are like the last two in the fight of like, we're not trying to appeal to, ev- like, if you think this is funny or if you think this is scary, great. If it didn't work for you, then fine. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to change it. This is the way it is. This is the way it's done. And it's going right. to appeal to a lot of people. And just because you're the one person that didn't like it or were offended by it or whatever, well, then it's just it just wasn't for you. This just wasn't for you. And you can turn it off or not watch it did not you know that you it, could whatever. not did you know you could do that you can mind your own business <laughs> and move along did you know you could mind your own business and shut the fuck up did you, did you know, know that you can keep scrolling you can turn it off you can cancel your subscription to whatever it is actually incredible did you know that you don't have to give your opinion <laughs> did you know that did you know that you, um, I love that did you know that you could shut the fuck up <laughs> To be honest, though, I think when you really feel like you've made it is when you do get that like first hater. I I think that's kind of like when oh my you god really, when you really know like we've I think one of we our got first... somebody that said they only do this podcast for themselves. Yeah, like, that yeah, was a do. troll. That was a troll comment we got that <laughs> oh from someone we don't even know, but they said uh, they only do this podcast for themselves, and it's like, well, I mean, yeah. I'm not. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> kind of, sorta. Otherwise, we we wouldn't want to do it. Like, why would we want to do it every week if we did it for other people and we didn't have the passion and love that we have for it? Yeah, we. I'm not do doing it, it for well, you, Kevin. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of funny. I don't really think it was a hater per se, but like, I mean, uh, there's a comment on my film on YouTube. So, uh, do you guys know Matilda at all? No. Uh, like person uh, or movie? Uh, well, it, it, the the kids story, um, uh, Matilda about the girl who has like mind power. Oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. The 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 the, uh, the headmistress, uh, Miss uh, Miss Trunchbull. Yeah, she's like, yeah. Well, um, uh, it, it was, I think it was just a troll comment, but like he he commented on my film and he was just like, wow, the new Trunchbull origin story looks lit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. That is like that person was nineteen years old. I can guarantee <laughs> that was a Gen Zer. <laughs> That's what that was. I can guarantee <laughs> that was a nineteen-year-old. <laughs> their profile picture is Deadpool. So oh yeah, anytime you ever get hate anything, their profile picture is never themselves. Oh, it tells you everything. ever. No, no, and no hate to Deadpool. But I was literally just telling my husband this. There are some things that I really love, but their fandom is absolutely toxic. Mm-hmm. I love oh, Deadpool, but Deadpool right. has a very toxic fandom. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, so that's a, a 19-year-old with a Deadpool as his profile picture. Good for you, buddy. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Way to be a keyboard warrior. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I actually, um, one thing that I did not want to forget to ask at all about the master, I picked up on... And I don't know if this was intentional, the tone or just how it looked, but I 
I'll tell you right now, it looks like that could have been done in like puritanical Salem in the 1600s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really did. It really gave off a lot of feel of like older, early. Yeah. Like a Victorian age type of deal. Yes. Mm -hmm. That this is like early 1600s New England. Yeah. And a really like puritanical village. And I mean, you just go back to that history, look at how they treated women. And um, so, I mean, I picked up, was was that intentional at all to have it sort of have that kind of feeling or setting to age it in that way? Um, that wasn't, it actually wasn't intentional, but that's interesting that you pick up on that because the master, um, as a person, she's a very old soul and she's really into Victorian Gothic style. Awesome. Achieved. So, I'm not surprised that you kind of picked up on that vibe. No. I thought that too, because I very much thought it was someone that trying to hide and, you know, like, just like you said, like old, very like in the woods, Massachusetts. Oh, like, I mean, it was the crucible. Yeah. I was getting a lot of, mm-hmm. crucible. Yeah. I was getting a lot of the crucible <laughs> feels. I mean, just, just down from, from what you were wearing to the setting in the woods to, just the whole ritualistic elements of all of it. Like I have to do this in secrecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind you of know, like, that reminds me of a, of a movie called, have you guys seen uh, the witch? Oh, oh yeah. I'm so yeah, obsessed with that movie. It's, ungodly. and that was one of those movies that I actually had to see twice. Cause we've talked to Casper and I've talked about this a lot. We have some movies in our repertoire that the first time we saw them, we either hated it or just didn't get it. And unfortunately, the witch was that for me the first. I actually and I saw a really bad copy of it. it I so because that movie is oh. so dark, you have to turn the brightness mm-hmm. all the way up to a thousand, or you can't see anything. <laughs> um, and the kids were so annoying. Oh my god! So <laughs> fuck time, them kids. Oh fuck, my god! Fuck them kids still. <laughs> but I, the first time I saw the movie, it's not that I didn't like it. I was just like, I don't get this at all. I don't understand what's going on. I I just, I I don't understand. You needed somebody with religious trauma to help you with that. So then I went back. Yes. So then I went back and watched it again. And I was like, oh, I love this movie. And then you turn the brightness up at the very end. And I'm like, I don't appreciate the devil being hot. Like, I don't appreciate that at all. I don't appreciate these movies that make the devil hot. Y'all need to quit doing that. The whole, um, uh, the whole, like, whispery, like, what's not like to live deliciously? Oh, I'm like, yes, I would. Yes, yes, yes. I'm like, go on. Yes, go on. Yes, I would. I will sign any book and dance naked in the woods. And yes. (laughs) You mean I get to levitate naked in the woods? Right now? I can do that right now? Okay, perfect. Yes, thank you. And, and the like the acting in that movie was so good. Oh, my God. Oh, it was ridiculous. They nailed that. They really nailed that. And that was my first introduction to Anna Taylor Joy, and now her, with and her. now her career has just she exploded. Is amazing. And I have not seen the menu yet because I'm waiting it's to really watch good. it with my husband because I because I know my husband would absolutely love it. He typically tends to like either monster movies when when it comes to horror or really deep psychological stuff or dark. He likes very dark comedies too. We both have the menu is a very we good both dark have comedy. very dark minds when it comes to what we think is funny oh so do i i'm so morbid it's 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 darkly hilarious i think that but you know what like, though, i think that comes from a place of trauma yeah. i think when you can so do I. So do I. it does i think when you can laugh the ending of ready or not yeah. is fucking amazing like they all just implode 
Like, what the fuck was that? Oh, that movie was great. What too. the fuck was that? She likes the in-laws. And she's smoking she's a just, cigarette. She's covered in blood and smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, you know. That was another one of those dark comedies that fucking was just hilarious. so brilliant. <laughs> that was really, really well done, too. Very well done. Um, Grayson, so what do you have going on right now as far as um, any projects coming up or anything that you're wanting to uh, work on coming up this year or next year? Uh, there are a couple of things I have coming up or, or things that I'm working on in the works. Um, my next film, uh, I'm working on a drama um, uh, about a girl um, who... Uh, this one also comes from like a place of trauma, but um, this one um, is gonna, like I said, it's gonna be a drama about a girl who um, she um, she's in a super low place. She kind of like she kind of like passes herself around to people. Um, really has low self esteem, has no self worth, and um, through a actually, let me see. I have I have the uh, synopsis of it written down. I, I think is I think I'll just give that out since I don't want to give out too much information on it. Totally understand. Yep. Let me see if I can find it. Okay, so here's here's the synopsis. Here we go. Okay. A young woman running from a dismal past while struggling with a devastating addiction encounters a stranger who changes her life through the course of one very expected, though unexpected, encounter. Okay. So my brain kind of ran with that. I started coming up with things. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I did too. I was like, okay. <laughs> that's why it was quiet because I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of, so, so that's that's kind of the synopsis I'm going with. So so but like yeah. So it's so it's it's going to be a drama. I'm thinking about 10, 15 minutes long. So a girl basically who's really in a tough spot meets a stranger who changes her life for the better. So that's kind of like the brief synopsis that I can give, but I'm 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 really hopeful for the project. Um, uh, it's definitely something that I'm probably going to start in New York. So it's kind of like in like preconception stage right now. So I'm starting to write it. Um, so that's one project, and then another project I'm working on is a one act play. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like um, a loosely based um, stage adaptation of the master. Um, in, in kind of like another light, it's kind of like based off another sort of lore of the master, um, more with a sort of like that sort of like more like solemn, but like happy ending, um, based off of like a couple more, um, personages <coughs> of myself. Um, so that one is more also like a drama. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like what I have going on right now. And I also have, um, a poetry book that's ready to be published. So Ooh. yeah, that's works for me yeah I'm, I have a soft spot for poetry I have uh, actually written a lot of poems myself um, oh, I used awesome. to I used to write them all the time and after I saw I'll never forget after I saw the movie called if I stay which is one of the movies that actually like wrecked me I have never cried that much in a movie in my life but um, I actually had to go home and write an entire poem about music because music means so much to me and I was like I I literally was getting undressed to get in the shower, butt-ass naked, and it hit me. And I was like, I'm going to write this poem butt-ass naked, and I did. That's all what you listen I did, because I was like, I got to get this out right now. So inspiration strikes. <laughs> I mean, and you can't get more raw and stripped down than, than that. I'd be I mean, like, I wrote this poem naked. 
<laughs> I mean, like sometimes. I, I mean, I mean, like I'm a composer as well, and, and I compose a song literally sleeping in. Uh, well, not sleeping, but I was going to sleep in a train station in freaking Paris, France. You know. <laughs> oh I my mean, gosh. Like, Wherever you freaking want to write, you know, I mean, like the world is your canvas. I love you know, that. And I think you music, um, you know, music is music composition and lyrics mm-hmm. are mean so much to me. And I have certain artists and that I just really gravitate to more so because of the way that they they, they don't just write music or hear music. They feel music. And mm-hmm. I think that music yeah. Music, film, poetry, I think they all very much are kind of one and the same. I think they very much flow in the same vein um, as far as uh, an artistic outlet. Which is really funny because you say music's more made to be felt. That was the name of the poem. Music is made to be felt. Yeah, that's so funny. (laughs) Totally unintentional. Yeah. That makes total sense. You know, music is one of those outlets that, you know, can be, you know, I mean, like instead of, you know, it can be heard, but I really think, I mean, like in my mind, I think it can be seen, it can be felt, it can be touched, you know, I mean, it's something that's so intimate. Well, in art, art is the same way. Mm -hmm. Poetry is the same way. Um, I have a lot of different, I have artists that I love. I have poets that I love. Uh, I discovered Edgar Allan Poe at a very, very, very young age. I love that man. And that just... (laughs) completely that his poetry just completely set something off in me to discover it at such a young age and then go through so many trials and tribulations that I have in my life and then going back and revisiting his poetry again like still loving it but being able to see it from a different perspective because I've been through more life now um Right, yeah, right. he was he was one of my first like big introductions into poetry and the 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 dark beauty of poetry because yeah. people could look at people could look at Ed Brown Poe and think his stuff is like that's so dark and I'm like like how could you let just it's dark and depressing and I'm like I don't I don't look at it that way no. <laughs> I could see how no, people no, could I, but I I I. I, I yeah, I mean, it may be dark, but I mean, to me, it's darkly, it's darkly gorgeous. Yes. You know, I mean, like, there's so much beauty in the dark, in the darkness. You know, I mean, like, like Tim Burton, for example, like his work is, I mean, like a, a lot of people will, you know, consider that odd or obscure or, you know, darkly obscure. But to me, I mean, his work is just absolutely, he, he's a big inspiration for me, too, for a Same. lot of my work. Yeah, he's just I mean, if I ever got to work, if if I get to be just, if I get to work with him on one project in my life, just one, I will have known that I have succeeded. <laughs> I don't blame. <laughs> I don't blame you one bit. I've, you know, and I grew up with him. I I'm almost forty years old. I grew up with Tim Burton. I just Edward Scissorhands to me is one of the most beautiful oh, love God. stories. Yes. I think it, I've always looked at that movie as a love story, and it I've is. had people look at me like I have a tentacle growing out of my neck. They're like, Edward Scissorhands is not a love story. And I'm like, well, I guess we just watched this movie from two different perspectives. Perspectives. Yeah, Edward Scissorhands, that, oh my, that is just one of the most pretty movies. I mean, it it is just so, so Gorgeous. The artistry of it is just, and the score, 
is is God. astounding. Danny Elfman did the score on that. Oh, movie. that man is. I love Danny, Danny Elfman. Elfman. Oh. I freaking love Danny Elfman. Oh my God. Oh, that's somebody. He's on my list. Oh yeah, meet. he's like. He's right. No, let me there. tell you. If I ever met Hans Zimmer, I think I would just pass away. Yeah, I think I would just simply <laughs> pass away. Hans Zimmer. Oh my gosh, Hans Zimmer. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. like he's like, oh, you want me to do the Lion King soundtrack? You want me to do a soundtrack about lions? I'm going to make you sob. Yeah, I'm gonna hit. Music. I'm gonna hit you somewhere that you never thought with music. In this movie. Soundtrack about about uh, you know the interstellar space galaxy. Oh. Oh my god, I have chills thinking about it right now, like genuinely. Oh my gosh, oh, kill me. <laughs> that right there, that that's feeling music. Yep. Yeah, if if I was gonna have anyone uh, score the master, uh, like my my full length, it would be Danny Elfman. Yeah, you know, even the very first. So I'm like I'm really aging myself, but the very <laughs> first like Tim Burton's Batman, like mm. the Michael Keaton Batman. The score in that movie. So good. The movie, like, there's a song at the very, very end of the movie, like, when it gets to where it goes to this high rise and he sees the bat symbol. That song is so, like, you know, okay, it's Batman, it's a comic book movie, whatever, whatever, but, like, that score was haunting. Mm -hmm. It was so, so, so haunting. I, I don't think people, I, I give more, I get a lot of flack for this, but I give so much credit to Tim Burton's Batman and Batman, Batman Returns is a beautiful film. That is an absolutely beautiful, gorgeous, from start to finish, beautiful, beautiful film. From the costumes to the background to everything. It, and then once he got more into his animated stuff, I think The Corpse Bride is a beautiful love story. Oh my god, I love The Corpse Bride. I love The Corpse Bride. Don't even get me started on The Corpse Bride. <laughs> I don't know how anybody could watch that and not be emotional. I mean, that is a beautiful, beautiful love story. Every At the end, I sob every time. I don't care. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And the, the, I mean, just the, if you want to talk about aesthetically pleasing that film. It's beautiful. It, mm -hmm. it, oh, it's something else. Yeah. And, and I believe that was stop motion animation, wasn't that? Yeah, yeah it was. Just I mean, yeah. Animation is just the artistry of that is so incredible. The time that goes into that. I'm very much in awe of that. When I saw the making, I, I saw the Nightmare Before Christmas at a really young age, and then years later saw the making of it, and I just don't, I don't even understand. It's like my brain could not yeah. compute. Yeah. No, that everything that went into. I mean, every little, even just Jack's face and his movements had to you know one movement stop play movement like my brain just that is could overwhelming not, it was very <laughs> overwhelming to watch the behind the scenes of how that movie was put together any kind of stop motion act, act uh stop motion animation my brain just doesn't understand my brain doesn't understand I, I, like i mean like i thought editing my two minute movie was it was nerve-wracking imagine editing <laughs> <laughs> i don't even want to like i said my brain no dude i mean like i was sitting there on freaking iMovie on my freaking laptop and <laughs> like, let's just throw this together i don't know what the hell i'm doing let's just do this <laughs> freaking no man <laughs> like oh but it was fun though that's awesome that's that was one thing i was gonna say is for this being like your your first anything you've worked on as far as a film even though it was a short everything that went into it as far as the shooting it and editing it and everything, even though that can be a stressful, 
you know, stressful process to get it all together and get it done. Was it ultimately fun and rewarding, like, at the end? Like, did were there parts of it that really were a lot of fun to do? Oh, for sure. I mean, the editing was definitely a lot of fun. And just, like, getting, in, getting into the costume was so fun and so rewarding. Because, I mean, I've wanted to, like, you know, dress as the master for a few years now because I've been writing her for so long. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, I'm actually, like, going to, like, location and actually, like, filming her and everything. Like, and, and like, I worked with my mom. Uh, she was the one who who was with me on set every day, and she was nice. the one who filmed it. Um, and so that was like a super proud moment. She, like, and she helped me with um so much of it, and so we got to do a lot of bonding. Um, she's into the arts as well, um, so that was just such a cool experience. But yeah, I mean, there were definitely some stressful moments. I mean, like we we um filmed in like super cold temperatures. I'm talking like single digits, and it was mm. like super windy. So. Oof. Um, yeah, so there was there were definitely some stressful moments with that, but um, overall, it was a super great experience for sure. Oh, that's awesome that you got to do all that with your mom, and you guys got to bond over that. that that's really precious. cool. <laughs> yeah. That is really really cool. Um, one more quick question I did have: if you were able to take the master, uh, if it ultimately did become a feature length film, would you? play the master or do you think that you would cast someone else um to be honest i i really would like to play her i, mean, I, I don't want that to sound like vain at all or anything but i mean i would love to play her um i think it would be a really cathartic experience for me um you know just emotionally mentally uh even, even like spiritually you know i mean um you know so i i think i would definitely love to play her um um, because she comes from you ultimately yeah. like the way you were describing the story and yeah because it's just it's so personal to me you know and it's, it's just it's such a personal work I, I think i would definitely love to play her for a feature length and i love that i really do because i think yeah i could totally who would get play that. the character better than yourself i would totally get comes that from you Right, yeah, and I would, I would definitely to make the character even, even like even come more to life. I, w I would love to work with an acting coach, definitely to like to portray her even better than like you know what, we, what would be even in my head, you know. I mean, because I always love to cooperate with others, you know, to because I, I mean like even though like I you know I, I've written and you know directed and you know like it's my work. I mean, I always I always love it, you know, the intake of others' opinions. So I mean, I would definitely love to collaborate, you know. So. Oh yeah, I uh, if it ever were to come to fruition that I was ever to work on anything, I'm definitely going to reach out to as many people as possible because I'm going to need every every bit of advice or constructive criticism I can get because I I I'd be going in this so blind <laughs> like I have never yeah, done this. I mean, the only reason like I mean like I did you know the short film by myself is because you know I didn't have anyone else but i mean a right. feature length film i'd be like please send help as much <laughs> as it, please anyone at all who who can help please send help like <laughs> i will collaborate with anyone who you know is willing and, and who has the artistic eye you know please so yeah but i'm super excited one day it's definitely like one of my utmost goals for sure that's so cool that's awesome. I, you know, it was so great talking with you. And the fact that this is the first thing you've ever worked on is just so amazing. Um, typically, we're, we get so used to talking to people that have been in the game for 
for a while that this was such this was a really this was refreshing actually yeah it was very nice it was you know you're because I, we'd love to have you back on, obviously. I mean, I would, we would love to see, we're definitely going to follow your career and see what you've got going on in the future. And you're a forever friend of the show. So yes, you are always welcome. Because anytime. I, well, and I've always kept in mind that, you know, a lot of the people that we've interviewed, if they are just starting out or this is their first or 10th or whatever, you know, Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino started off as indie filmmakers. You just never, ever, ever know where the trajectory of a career can go. You, you got to catch know. that right. You catch that right ear. And there yep. you go. Lightning in a bottle. Yep. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I will just be so grateful for wherever I'm taken. So I'm just extremely excited to get started, you know. And we so. appreciate you so much for, you know, working with us and being on the show. We really, we, I've really enjoyed this. This has this been, has very been nice. great. Yeah. This has been such a great, thank you so much for, for doing this. We really appreciate it a lot. We're so glad we got to see the master that we got to meet you at Horror Hound and just good luck in everything else that you've got going on. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And again, thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like we said, you're a friend of the show for forever, so. Like, we even had, uh, I don't know if you recognize the name, but Andy Palmer, he actually had a movie come out, what was that, last year? Or I think it was last year or the year before, and we've had him on, like, three or four times. So, like, if you have something new that you want to promote, just hit us up and be like, hey, I got this coming out, and I'd like to, you know, promote it. We're all about that, so. Okay, sweet. Awesome. All right, well, all right. we hope you have a good rest of your day. Thanks, and we Grayson. really appreciate really it so appreciate much. really appreciate it so much. <laughs> Thank you. And everybody watch the master watch, on YouTube. Oh, um, do you want to promote yourself? Yeah, promote yourself, promote yourself. all your socials and everything else. Yeah, yeah, you can find me anywhere like Instagram, Linktree, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Grayson Siebert. Uh, that's G R A Y S O N S E B E R T. So there you go. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and we will speak again soon. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, that was our interview with Grayson Siebert, round three of the Whorehound Film Festival uh, interviews in the bag. How definitely, awesome is she? Definitely watch The Master. Uh, it's about three minutes long on YouTube. I'll post a link. Um, it's so good. It is, you know, and like we said, we watched it. We really didn't want to give a whole lot away about what it was about, but we watched it from a completely different perspective, and it was really cool to hear what inspired that story. And now knowing that, if you guys haven't seen it yet and you listen to this, now you may look at it from a totally different... Now, I mean, I want to go back and watch it again because now I'm going to look at it totally differently than the way I looked at it before. For sure. So, guys, um, again, like you heard in the beginning of the episode, we got a big old big time sponsor. So, <laughs> if you or anybody you know is in search of therapy... Um, if they've, if they are ready, but haven't made that leap yet, if they're, if, um, commuting somewhere is a problem, if money is a problem, betterhelp.com is an amazing, amazing option. It's flexible. You have a litany of therapists that you can choose from. And if you go to betterhelp.com slash DFWTO, you will save 10% when you sign up for your first month. So do that by our merch Teespring. Everything is in our flow code. Um, in the link, please buy our merch. That 20% off sale is still going on um, until the end of the month. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. 
<laughs> so next week, you guys, we will be another interview, round four. We will be discussing a movie called Cold Blows the Wind, which actually I think won Best Feature at Horror Hound Film Fest. Um, and her name is Victoria Vertuga. She is the, I believe she's the writer-director of the film, but she's also in it. She's one of the main people in it. And she also did a movie called Lexi, um, which is a mockumentary found footage style film, which was really fucking good. I am such a whore for a good mockumentary. Um, Same. But it's very good. And uh, we will be talking with her. And um, we're very excited to bring that to you guys because both of those movies were absolutely fantastic and I can't wait to dive into them with her. So, yeah, that is next week. That will be round four. <laughs> All right, guys. So, um, as Becky said, our merch is on sale still until the end of the month. So make sure to go check that out. Uh, link will be posted in the description. Uh, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at uh, DFWTO Podcast. The handle is DFWTO8811. Um, if you have any questions, concerns, want to say hey, please email us at DFWTO8493 at gmail.com. And last but not least, please follow and subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Leave us a review, and you will always know when we put out new episodes. You guys can leave us a review on Spotify now, so you please can. do. You have to listen to at least two episodes though so pick your favorite two give them a listen and write a nice little review for us or write whatever we really don't care we, they're we, all in whatever yeah. <laughs> we love them regardless all right guys thank you so much have a wonderful and safe week and remember don't, don't fuck, fuck with the original, original. bye, bye.